evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the March 15, 2016 edition of Season 3 of The Court Report on the Nachum Siegel Network, the premier place to get all your sports news and information regarding the Yeshiva League. The Court Report comes to you every Tuesday night at 7 p.m., as well as an encore presentation during the playoffs on Sunday night at 7 p.m., right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Every week, we'll take a look back and a look ahead at all things Yeshiva League. Had a game this week? Let us know about it. You can friend me on Facebook. Send me a message. My name is Elliot Weiselberg. That's W-E-I-S-E-L-B-E-R-G. Or you can like the Court Report fan page. You can also follow me and tweet me on Twitter. My name is Y-L-S Wiseguy. That's Y-L-S-W-E-I-S-G-U-Y. Because if I don't know about it, we can't talk about it. We are sponsored once again by our amazing sponsors, Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. Crown Trophy of Brooklyn has been extremely busy lately getting together the championship trophies for all the championships in the Yeshiva League. We already handed out four, which we'll talk about on today's show. Uh, Two girls, two boys. We'll get to those very, very soon. But if you need trophies or plaques or anything that Crown Trophy of Brooklyn can help with, please give them a call, 718-769-4111. They'll be more than happy to take your order and get it to you in plenty of time. Again, I'm your host, Elliot Weiselberg, coach, official, analyst. But most of all, like you, I am a huge Yeshiva League fan, and I am humbled and privileged to be able to share the amazing efforts and accomplishments of these kids with you each and every week. If you have a smartphone and haven't downloaded the NSN app already, please do so. You'll have access to all of our episodes of The Court Report, and you'll also be able to send in comments for each show. Please keep the comments nice, though. Much like the show is not about me criticizing, degrading, or disrespecting players or coaches, please be courteous enough to do the same. Hello again, folks, and welcome to The Court Report. A packed week this past week, starting off with the hockey championships this past Sunday. We have a lot to discuss. We'll go in-depth on the JV and Varsity Hockey Championships. We'll work our way around to the basketball leagues as they gear up for their championships this coming Sunday. Who's still alive? Who's out? Uh, we'll get to that as well. And we'll also give you an in-depth look at... At the 2016 Red Sarachek Tournament uh, happening at, that happened at YU this past week, culminating in a great championship game yesterday. We'll get you the rundown on that. We'll go through as much as we can tonight. Uh, it's a little disparate because this past week was so chock full of action. Next week won't be as much, but we will have our winter season finale coming up next week. So uh, sit back and let's get started with this session of the Court Report. We're going to kick off today's show with the Yeshiva League hockey finale, starting with the JV uh, championship and then the varsity championship. JV championship between two undefeated teams, the only two undefeated teams left, the number one seeded DRS Wildcats and the number two seeded Frisch Cougars, both uh, coming into this championship after two dominating victories in the semifinals. DRS defeating Hank 7 to nothing uh, behind a shutout, another shutout by Jakey Friedman, uh, one of his men on the year. Um, and the Frisch Cougars taking out Hafter 6-2 to after falling behind 2-0 in, uh, in the first half of the game. Coming into this game, a lot of hype come, uh, as the DRS defense and goaltending uh, against the Frisch offense, which had generated tons of points all year. The question was, who would win out? It wouldn't take us very long to get the first goal of the day on the board. 9.53 left in the first period. Avi Greenberg takes a shot from the left face-off circle and buries it past first goalie Charlie Freilich to give DRS the 1-0 lead. 
the Wildcats would have a chance to add to their lead about four minutes later when Frush took a penalty, sending DRS onto the power play. It seemed as if DRS had a slow start to the power play, but eventually found their rhythm. And with four seconds left, looked to have put the ball in the back of the net with a shot from the point. But Charlie Freilich held on tight, making sure the ball did not cross the line and preserving the one nothing deficit. On to the second period, no scoring, only one penalty of note, not really resulting in much, but it would send DRS onto the power play going into the third period. Frisch would be able to kill it off, and they would use the momentum to capitalize. A minute after the power play ended, Maury Bauer winning a face-off inside their, their offensive zone. Ball bounces in the air. Joe Trapp moving to his left, hit the ball out of midair, hitting off of Jakey Friedman's shoulder, bouncing behind him. Friedman dove back to make the save, but could not get it as the ball rolled into the net, and the game was tied at one with 10.26 remaining. Two minutes later, though, DRS would go back on top. Yosef Adler putting a ball to the net that bounced right to Jake Weinstock, and Weinstock would bury it to give DRS the one nothing lead. Penalty filled remaining couple of minutes in the game would give the advantage to DRS as DRS again with 2.33 remaining would find the stick of Jake Weinstock putting the ball in the back of the net after another Yosef Adler assist to cap the game at 3-1. Frisch would try as hard as they could to get back in but could not generate enough momentum and uh, as history has shown with Jakey Friedman... One is really all you're going to get. The moment that uh, that DRS got that second and even that third goal, pretty much knew the game was over the way Friedman was playing. He didn't have to be excellent, but he was stellar on that day. Uh, Charlie Freilich, amazing in net, really keeping the game close and keeping Frisch in the entire way, especially after Frisch took five penalties on the day. Freilich really stepping up, really showing that he has become one of the top goalies in the JV League. Congratulations to DRS on winning the championship. For DRS, it is the first championship in 10 years for the JV team, ending a 10-year drought. The last time DRS took home a JV championship was the 2005-2006 season, which was the end of a back-to-back, having won the year before as well. This is the uh, first time in about in seven, eight years since the 2007-2008 season that a Western Conference team has not won the uh, the JV Championship. Obviously, the 2008 to two th- uh, 2009, all the way to 2013-2014, was the six-year stretch for the TABC Storm and the SAR Sting taking it last year. So DRS becoming the first team since the Hafter Flames of 2007-2008 to take home the championship crown for the Eastern Conference. Jake Weinstock would be awarded the MVP for his uh, clutched two goals in the third period. Very aptly deserved, as he was a pain, uh, a pain in the neck all night for the uh, for the Frisch Cougars to deal with. Frisch, though, can hold their heads high. They uh, they really battled the entire way, really proving the the conference championship was deserved, and their spot in the finals really was a measure of how well that team played. Uh, I'm not sure many people expected DRS to be held to one goal going into the third period. Again, Freilish really stepping up and keeping DRS off the board, as well as that defense really keeping uh, keeping down uh, the fort, uh, having to kill off as many penalties as they did. But a great job to Frisch, uh, falling just a little short. And uh, again, a congratulations to the DRS Wildcats on their championship victory.
The second game of the afternoon featured the varsity championship between the TABC Storm winners of the West and the Hafter Hawks winners of the East. Interesting note, these two teams are the teams to have hold, to help, to hold the last three championships uh, after winning the last two. Now in line for a three-peat, TABC winning the year before 2012-20-13. So who would be able to add to their mantle? Would TABC be able to tie it up in the four years? Or would Hafter keep the three-peat going? Scoreless after the first period, but a flurry of action from the long range as the teams traded off goals in the first uh, few minutes of the second period. Uh, Kalev Minsky from TABC got the, got the scoring going uh, with a full court shot that sort of changed up on goalie Ryan Gluck and ended up in the top corner of the net. Jake Berger would even the score a few minutes later in almost similar fashion, but only a few minutes later, Shuana Ora would take a shot from half court, rip it right to the back of the net, give TABC the 2-1 lead going into the third period. It would stay that way until about midway through the through the third. Daniel Lichter making an amazing play, knocking the ball down at the line, deking, bringing it in past the TABC player, putting it into the back of the net to tie the game at two. So here we were with under six minutes to go. Hero needed. Who would it be? Let's take you back to uh, to the game that they played in the regular season. TABC and Hafter in Hafter. TAB- Hafter going up 2 nothing early in the first period, only to have TABC come right back. And in the overtime session, you got your Noller ending the game with a, uh, with a wrister from in front of the net. Well, Hero needed, and Heroes deliver. Three on two coming into the zone. Daniel Levy sends a pass across to Noller, who banged it home for the game-winning goal. Storm winning three to two in uh, in their second championship in four years. Congratulations to TABC and Coach Mo Fuchs. Yair Noller getting the game MVP for his winning heroics. So TABC getting back to the top of the heap after two disappointing failures in the semifinals. Again, congratulations to the school and uh, good luck on a on the undefeated season for TABC. I'd love to spend a little more time on this game, but we got a lot of basketball to get to, and we'll touch a little more on this and basically go over a season in review next week in our final episode of the of the uh, winter season for the court report. So tune in next week. We'll go into a little more uh, a little more observation on these two games, and we'll get a little more insight uh, as to as to really what went on over the course of the season, what was expected, what was unexpected. So tune in next week, and we will do that for you right here on the court. Report. Once again, you are listening to the Court Report on the Nachum Siegel Network. We are sponsored by Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. I am your host, Elliot Weiselberg, taking you through the week in Yeshiva League Sports. Well, now we're going to move on to basketball, where two championships have already been played, the Girls Varsity and the Girls JV Championships. We'll do those two first, then we'll move over to the boys, and get in a little bit of Sarachek action as well from this past week. But, moving to Girls Varsity Basketball. The first championship game to be played, again, the Girls Varsity Basketball Championship between the SAR Sting and the Frisch Cougars. Both these teams, members of the West, Frisch, the division-leading uh, division leading team, uh, although the truth is they were both 10-2. and 2, So, really, the only it's only really a uh, semantics as the fact that Frisch was number one in the division and SAR number two. Both won their respective roads to the championship. Uh, Frisch... Uh, 
uh, beating Breweria in the semis, SAR taking out Flatbush. Game started off really, really hot. Jessica Hecht led off the game with a lay-in after a steal a minute in for the SAR staying. Frisch would take a 3-2 lead two minutes later after a free throw, and then a sequence that saw an SAR fast break turned around on a steal by... Emily Hirschman, who passed the ball the length of the court to Julia Reichel for the lay-in. SAR would tie it up again at five after three straight Hecht points, making her the only SAR player to score in the first five minutes of the game. In fact, Hecht would take over the scoring for most of the quarter on her own. Time winding down in the period, SAR up 10-6, the Sting holding for one, passing it around the perimeter. Looked to be running out of time, but Becky Kahn found Hecht at the left elbow, and Hecht drained it just as the buzzer sounded to put SAR up 12-6 at the end of the first. Hecht, 10 points in the first quarter of play on her own. Ironically, the only other player from SAR to catch points that quarter, Sophie Hecht. Going into the second, 35 seconds in, the first SAR player not named Hecht would get on the scoreboard when Dahlia Fisher would strip the ball and take it down court for a lay-in. On the ensuing possession, Frisch coming back up the court, Adira Orbach, a ninth grader, steps into the passing lane, picks up the ball, heads two-on-one down court with Khan, passes it off to Khan, and Khan laid it in for the seventh straight SAR point on an 11-1 run since they were tied at the 240 mark of the first quarter. Orbach would extend by two more before Alana Chernovsky would finally find the bottom of the net for Frisch with 5.07 left in the first half. Also ending a six-minute-plus stretch between field goals for the Cougars at that point. The next two minutes would belong to the Cougars, who would go on a mini 6-2 run to cut the lead to six. Rebecca Hyman would score for the Sting with two minutes left to bring it out to eight, where it would stand as the halftime break uh, came with the score, SAR 22, Frisch 14. Interestingly enough, SAR showed that they were able to succeed without Jessica Hecht that quarter, with four other Sting players hitting buckets. Coming out of the locker room, the Cougars looked to put a dent into the deficit. A minute in, Tamar Fuhrer would hit the first three-pointer of the game, and Frisch was within five. A Sting turnover would give the Cougars the ball back, but they could not capitalize. Dahlia Fisher would get those three Sting points back on a foul shot and a layup, and they would have the momentum with 4.55 left in the third quarter of play. Elisa Pavel would take a steal the full length of the court and lay it in, and on the next possession, Reichel would make two free throws, and with just under four minutes left, the score stood at 25-21 SAR. But just like she'd done all quarter, Fisher hitting the big shot, nailing a three-pointer for his sixth point on the quarter and a 28-21 lead. Unfortunately for Fisher, she would need to take a seat, having a bit of foul trouble. The team thankfully would not miss her for the third, as it would hold Frisch off the board the rest of the way. SAR would not score another point either, though, meaning that just like the first, only one SAR player registered points as Fisher netted six. Frisch, however, would emerge winning the quarter, outscoring the Sting by one, but still trailing 28-21 entering the fourth. Fisher returning to the court was a blessing for SAR, having its court general back. Orbach's two would kick off the quarter, and we would go half the quarter before we would see another bucket, but it would be a big one. Reichel firing a long-range three with 3.45 remaining and would hit it, cutting the SAR lead to six. With 2.34 left, though, the Sting were dealt a huge blow, up five, but without the services of Fisher the rest of the way after fouling out, the Sting would need to rely on its depth at the point to get through the remainder of play. With one minute left, Simone Tassler would go to the line to cut the lead down further. She would miss the first, but hit the second to cut the lead to four. 
The inbounds would result in a jump ball with Frisch getting possession. SAR would again foul, and Reichel would hit both. And with 54 seconds left, Frisch had now cut the deficit to only two at 30-28. to With 39 seconds to go, Frisch would hit the bonus, sending SAR to the line. Orbach would hit both to extend the lead back to four, and it was now a two-possession game. On a quick inbounds, the ball was thrown down court, and it looked as if Frisch would get a bucket and be awarded an and-one, but an offensive foul whistled against the Cougars negated the points and and gave SAR back possession with 33 seconds left to play. SAR would inbounds, but would be called for traveling, and back to Frisch it would go. The ball would find its way to Julie Reichel, who would launch a deep three and miss, but would be fouled in the process, being sent to the line for three shots. Reichel would hit all three, and with 27 seconds left, it was a one-point game, 32-31 SAR. The Sting would be sent to the line for shots, but would miss both, and with 21 seconds left, the Cougars had the ball and the chance to win it. The ball would work its way down to Reichel, coming around the screen on the right side of the hoop, who put up a jumper that would clank off the side of the rim, and back to Hyman with seven seconds left, who was fouled immediately with a chance to extend the lead. But Hyman would miss both, and the rebound would go to Reichel, and Frisch would have one last chance with five seconds left. Reichel would go the length of the court, but the Sting defense would force her to the perimeter, and she would not get a shot off as the clock ran out, giving SAR the 32-31 championship victory. For this group, it's their second championship, having won in JV as well two years ago. Just a few random notes. Jessica Hecht would lead the game for this thing with 10 points after uh, only scoring 10 in the first, but absolutely nothing there on out. Also, after a monster first half, the Sting were held to 10 points in the second half, and only two in the last 7 minutes and 41 seconds. Also, the last field goal the Sting would have on the night. But, in the end, they were victorious, taking home the girls' varsity A crown. Congratulations to the Sting on their victory. The other two girls' leagues will be deciding their champions over the coming week. We have one championship set in terms of date and time, and that will be the Frisch Cougars and the Flatbush Falcons in the Girls' JV Championship. That game right now is scheduled for next Monday night, the 21st, at SAR, and will officially and should officially end the Yeshiva League winter season, depending on what happens with the Girls' B Championship. Speaking of this game, the Cougars roll into the finals after a 9-1 season and two impressive victories in, uh, in the quarters after defeating Ramaz by 16, and then the semis taking out rival SAR 36-26. The Cougars have been by and large a dominant team this year in a tough Western Conference. Frisch will look to Sarah Lieberman, Atara Kenner, and Molly Schwalbe to bring home the top prize. The Falcons, coming off of a disappointing loss in the semifinals last year after taking the Eastern Conference crown, did not quite have the regular season that they were expecting uh, after losing three of their first five. Uh, They happened to turn it around, winning four of their last five to jump into third place in the East and continued their hot streak proving that old adage, it's not how you start, but how you finish. Uh, and they continued into the playoffs, taking down West number 2 Maya Note by double digits after losing to them in the regular season, and then upending top seed North Shore in North Shore by three. Flopush has relied on Marlene Levy throughout the season for her leadership skills, and with Carolyn Kasson and freshman star Kayla Mutovich alongside, Flopush hopes that it can accomplish where last year's crew fell short. 
Moving over to Girls B, we don't exactly have uh, a date and time for this, but we do know who the matchup will be. This past week, Bruria and Shalhevet met up in Shalhevet. In an absolute blasting, Bruria avenged its two regular season losses to Shalhevet, trouncing the Sabres 53-20 to in their semifinal match. This win will now set up a rematch of last year's finale, where SKA edged out the Lightning by three points to take home the crown. So again, it will be the top-seeded SKA Sonics after their win over Elon last week, taking on the third-seeded Breweria Lightning for the second straight year in the Girls' B Championship. If that game happens uh, after next Tuesday night, which I don't think it will. I don't know if they'll have the season extend that long, but again, this season, the girls' B season starting as late as it did, uh, I guess you can throw all the uh, normalcy rules out the window, but we assume that that game will be played uh, sometime within next week. If not, we'll have uh, we'll have more information for that next week. If not, we'll have a recap of the championship for you when the show comes along next Tuesday night. Now let's move back over to boys' sports. Uh, the boys' championships will take place next Sunday, this coming Sunday, uh, over at Yeshiva University, um, starting out with JV. Both of our JV semifinal matchups took on a uh, one-versus-two flair as the respective conference champions took on the respective second seeds from both divisions, starting out first with West number 1 Frisch hosting East number 2 Mag and David. Both teams really coming from complete opposite places a year ago. Frisch, the defending champions, now back in the semis. Mag and David at 3-7 and seven last year, really a complete afterthought. Both now in, with a chance to play for a championship berth. The Warriors scored the first six points of the game over the first three minutes, forcing turnovers and breaking through the Frisch press until a soft Miller's jumper from the elbow at the 425 mark of the first quarter for Frisch. From there on out, the Cougars owned the first stanza, scoring eight points over the next three minutes to take the lead at 10-8 to on a Stevie Paul three-pointer. Jack Stepner would connect on five straight points to complete a 13-0 run to end the quarter with Frisch now up 15-8. Stepner would add two more to start the second quarter to push the margin to nine. Teddy Shama would break the skid with a free throw for Mag and David, and it would start a streak of its own. A running lay-in by Elliot Sedaka would be the first field goal for the Warriors in almost six minutes, and it would be the front end of a 14-6 run by the Warriors to cut the gap to one with a Shama jump shot with just under 20 seconds remaining in the half, and the game would go into the locker room at 23-22 frisch. The second half, though, was a showcase in dominance for the Cougars. Noam Koritsky hit two big threes in the first two minutes as part of a 15-2 run in a five-minute stretch in the middle of the third. In the first seven minutes, the Warriors could only muster one field goal and three free throws, and Frisch, hitting from everywhere, literally everywhere, almost doubled their halftime score in the second quarter. Uh, sorry, in the third quarter alone, now taking a 45-29 lead into the final quarter of play. The Cougars would continue their solid play in to the last period. Jack Levine would hit a putback banker with 5.16 left to give Frisch a 20-point lead at 51-31, and that would pretty much, if anything hadn't at that point, put the capper on this semifinal. The Warriors would score only two more points the rest of the way, as the defending champions Frisch would now return to the JV Finals for the second straight season. So now we had one participant determined, the Frisch Cougars. Now the question would be, would they have a battle of the undefeateds with East Champion DRS, or a rematch of last year's championship with West Number 2 SAR? 
these two teams, no strangers to each other. Both met last year in the quarterfinals in SAR, where the Sting, then the number one seed in the West, knocked off the East fourth-seeded uh, DRS Wildcats 39-34. to This year, one level higher, and the location flipped. The game would end up being one momentum swing right after the other. After a turnover-filled uh, first three minutes of the game, Amiel Kirstein opened the scoring for the Wildcats, and then nothing again for the next two minutes until Sammy Sokol tied the game up at two. It would stay 2-2 until 2.30 left in the first, and then the floodgates would open. SAR would go on an 8-1 run over the next two minutes, highlighted by two three-point shots by Drew Greenbaum. Gideon Valensky would score the final three points of the quarter for the Wildcats, bringing the score at the end of one to SAR 10, DRS 6, a very uncharacteristic spot for the Wildcats undefeated on the season. Jake Schwabe would start the second quarter off with an and-one for the Sting before the Wildcats would reel off a 15-1 run, and the Wildcats would then take a 21-14 lead into the halftime break, paced by seven points from Josh Hurt and eight from Valinsky in the first 16 minutes of play, and after a slow start for the Wildcats, it looked as if DRS was settling in for its usual night at the greenhouse. But the Sting had other plans. Judah Oppenheimer would nail a three out of the break, and then a minute later would nail another to trim the lead to one in the first two minutes of the second half. The two sides would trade buckets with SAR tying up the Cats and DRS retaking the lead on several occasions. SAR, though, would finally retake the lead on another three by Oppenheimer with just over a minute left in the third, and the Sting would take a 28-25 lead into the final quarter of play after riding a 14-4 scoring edge in the third period. Valinsky would tie the game back up with a three from the corner to start the quarter, but Schwalbe would give the Sting back the lead and then extend it a minute later. Valinsky would bookend the scoring segment with yet another three to tie the game at 32 with 3.49 remaining. But on the other side of an SAR timeout, Oppenheimer would provide the spark for the Sting with his fourth three of the half to give SAR a 35-32 lead that DRS would never recover from. Sokol and Hurt would trade buckets, keeping it a three-point game. Oppenheimer would then extend the lead to six on three free throws before Sokol would ice it with two of his own to cap the 42-34 SAR victory, knocking off, as, as I mentioned, the previously undefeated Eastern Conference champion DRS Wildcats to make a return trip to the JV Championship game. So here you have it, folks. You have another... You have another meeting between Frisch and SAR, the second year in a row that these two will meet, the West champion Frisch and number two SAR. Last year, SAR the one and Frisch the two, SAR defeating Frisch by three in the regular season in overtime before Frisch would go on to win the championship. This year, though, the roles are reversed. Frisch the one, SAR the two, and Frisch taking the regular season game by four, 54-50 in January. Both teams have shown that they have dynamic three-point shooters in Noam Koritsky and Judah Oppenheimer, and X-Factor big men in Jack Stepner and Jake Schwalbe. With any luck, this game will be just as close as last year's. SAR, though, is hoping that the role reversal trend continues, though, and that they are walking away from Yeshiva University this Sunday with the Yeshiva League JV basketball crown. That game, again, will precede the Varsity Championship at Yeshiva University at the Max Nord Athletic Center this coming Sunday.
Moving over to varsity basketball now. The two semi-games were played this past week. The uh, semis were chalk heading in. You had the East two-seed Flatbush, the West one-seed Heschel. You had the West two-seed Frisch and the East one-seed DRS, both one-seeds undefeated and looking forward to meeting in the championship. Would that happen? We would have to go through a long week of play before we could figure that out. Starting out with Flatbush and Heschel. East two Flatbush and West number Number one, Heschel Flatbush coming off of its home victory over Hillel. Heschel uh, taking a uh, very easy win over YDE uh, at home in the process, uh, taking on its second Brooklyn team in two weeks' time. The first quarter was a back-and-forth affair, with each team trading shots from the outset, with Heschel drawing first and Flatbush answering right back. The capacity crowd sort of had an idea of what the night would be like when Heschel got the first three to make it 7-4, to four, and Flatbush answered right back on a tray by Albert Richter to nod it back at seven. It was perhaps fitting that the rest of the quarter would remain a tight battle, with Heschel holding a slim three-point lead at the end of eight minutes of play with a score at 13-10 to 10 heat. Halfway through the second period of play, the score would remain the same, with the story being less about not taking advantage of opportunities, and more about both teams not really having opportunities to take advantage of, as both defenses really put the pressure on, forcing bad looks and settling. However, as the next four minutes played out, it looked as if the game would return to true form, as Heschel, undefeated, finally started hitting the shots and kept the Falcons to a frustrating five points in the stanza, opening an eight-point lead at the break at 23-15, to which should have been a relief for the Heat heading into the break with all the momentum. Maybe it'd be a bit too much relief, though, for the Heat. Or maybe it was the Falcons sensing that they'd have one chance to get back into the game, but whatever it was, the third quarter was owned by the team in maroon and gold, chipping all the way back into the game on an offensive outburst that was missing in the second quarter. The Falcons did more than enough to counter the poor period, though, dropping 17 while Heschel barely scraped double digits on the period, but still held on to a slim 34-32 lead heading into the final quarter of play. The fourth quarter would be one of the most entertaining ones of the season, as neither team could pull away. Halfway through the period, the score nodded at 40. Heschel would earn up to four free throws on a hand-check foul and a subsequent technical. But the first shot on the one-and-one would not go, leaving only the two technical shots that would happen to go down. So, effectively, the possession resulted in nothing more than a made basket, despite the potential for much more crippling result, especially with the clock winding down, seemingly foreshadowing what would transpire over the final minutes of play. The teams traded buckets, and with time winding down, Heschel held a 44-42 advantage, and the stage would be set for the final minute of play. You know, they say that the playoffs are really a point where you would expect the unexpected uh, out, of, out of people and expect them to do uncharacteristic things. Well, take, for example, A.B. Rosau. Rosau is a big man, more known for his play around the hoop, having scored 10 points in the paint already on the night. This possession, though, Rosau found himself with the ball all alone beyond the arc, and the big man let the ball fly and drained the three to give Flappers the 45-44 lead with a minute to go. Heschel would retake the lead on the next possession, putting the pressure back on the Falcons, now down by one. The Falcons would miss on their first shot, only to have Jake Shalom pull down the rebound, go back up, and get fouled with 20 seconds to go in the game. Shalom would give, uh, would hit both free throws to put the Falcons back up by one. The Heat coming down the court, looking to hold for the last shot, with the clock winding down, though, and Heschel looking to send one of its wings cutting to the basket. The pass could not connect, going out of bounds, giving Flappers the ball back with seven seconds to play. 
Kevin Haddad would be fouled on the inbounds, going to the line for two shots, where he would hit both for his team-leading 16 points, now making it a three-point lead, knowing that it was still within reach to tie, especially given how Heschel was this season, you know, undefeated, number two in the nation for most of the year. Flappers really knew it had to step up and play tight man defense. With 4.1 seconds to play, Heschel rushed the ball up the court, got it to a heat shooter in the corner with Roselle bearing down on him. The shot would go up, but would fall well short, sending Flatbush onto the varsity championship game. Sam Schwartzman would lead Heschel, uh, sorry, would lead the game with 23 points despite the loss for the Heat. So Flatbush, despite their interesting start to the season, will move on to the championship game. Who they will face? Well, that game happened across the river the night before between the DRS Wildcats and the Frisch Cougars, two teams having faced already once this season. When these two teams met in the regular season, it resulted in an overtime thriller. But taking into account that the Wildcats were without Judah Levine and Zev Benami, how different would this game be? Well, we got our uh, look at that right off the bat. The first period would be an exercise in domination for the Wildcats and Gabriel Leifer, showing just how impressive this group really is, as the Wildcats would blank the Cougars in the first eight minutes of play, while Leifer and his teammates put on a scoring clinic. Leifer scored the first 10 points of the game and 14 in the first quarter alone, as DRS jumped out to an 18 to nothing lead at the end of one. Leifer would reach 20, uh, would make it 20 to nothing, before Josh Chesner would break the streak for Frisch at the 6.45 mark of the second quarter of play. Frisch would put together a 6-3 run thanks to Isaac Leifer's two buckets, but Joab Deutsch would nail a three from the corner, and the game, though still taking a frenetic pace, would settle down from there on the scoreboard. Only three points would be scored over the next 450, all by Frisch, and the Cougars would actually win the period 9-8 for a 26-9 halftime deficit. Although, as Rabbi Ellie Storch noted on the DRS Live broadcast, that the Cougars missed seven shots from the free-throw line in the first half, and really could have put a dent into that, making it a much closer game. Underrated, though, was the crowd at this game. It's going to take a couple of seconds to talk about this, because... While looking at, watching on the live stream, it looked like an amazing crowd for the game. Uh, the, uh, they were talking about it the entire night, and you could hear it on the broadcast, too. Both sides going back and forth with songs and chants. It, the greenhouse itself is typically rocking. They're, they're one of the best, if not the best, uh, crowds in the, uh, in the entire league, both for hockey and for basketball. The kids are always involved. They always have a creative chant and uh, put together a creative Shekhyanu chant for when Frisch got on the boards. Again, uh, a little taunty, but you know what? It was very appropriate, very clever, very creative. Uh, Frisch, for their part, battled right back uh, with, uh, you know, sorry, the Frisch fans battled right back, and it really made for a great atmosphere. I sort of regret not being there. Uh, last week, um, as I said, was the uh, was uh, the 10th yard side of, uh, for my father, so I the night uh, just took on a much different meaning for me, and I, I wish I could have been there uh, in person, but watching it on the air sort of got a really, really good sense of how the night was uh, just amongst the people that were at the event. 
Going back to the game, though, the second half started out much like the first. Deutsch with a three, Leifer uh, with a block and two free throws for a 31 to nine DRS lead. But finally, with 5:24 remaining in the third, and Andrew Langer free throw finally got the Cougars into double digits. So Leifer would have his fingers all over the rest of the period, though, with multiple rebounds, blocks, assists, and points. Now, a 19-point quarter by the Wildcats would make it a 45 to 14 lead going into the fourth. And truth is that this point, it was really a formality. Leifer would open up uh, the fourth with a lay-in, and then with some sort of nevua, Rabbi Storch mentioning on the DRS live broadcast, as and correctly as he was, that the only thing missing from the game would be a Leifer dunk. A minute later, Leifer on the left side pulled to the perimeter, crossed over Sammy Fishman, drove the lane with the right hand, and slammed it home for the exclamation point on what really was a blowout right from the very beginning. In the end, the Wildcats would wind up doubling the Cougars 58-29 to to move on to their second straight championship game and their third in four years. Looking at the championship now, this coming Sunday, we have East 1 DRS and East 2 Flatbush, an East-East affair. Looking back at the regular season, very appropriate. Both teams opened up the season against each other in Flatbush. Flatbush taking the early lead. DRS you know, climbing right back all the way through the half to the third, taking the four-point victory. After that game, though, it really was a tale of two different teams who took two different paths to get to where they will be this Sunday. Both of these teams went to Cooper, and uh, looking at the results there, Flatbush really uh, not having the great showing that they wanted to, uh, falling uh, all the way down to seventh after really being expected to put in a good effort. And DRS obviously going all the way to the championship, taking it to Hafter in the finals, taking that home, then going to the regular season, DRS cruising, winning every game, including the one that these two teams played in DRS by a wide margin, uh, 62-36. to 36. Flappish, though, clawing back, needing to fight tooth and nail, struggling right off the bat, and needing a late run to ensure a playoff spot, and eventually the second seed, and then having to fight through two tough playoff games that went down to the wire, both by three points. Um... You can really see the dichotomy between, you know, the two different paths a team can take. There's really no shortage of storylines there. Another storyline is that there is also history for these two exact squads. Much as we talked about the JV being a rematch of last year's JV final, this game is a rematch of the JV final of two years ago when these two exact teams were in JV. In that contest, this DRS squad plus A.B. Perlow transferring out to Hafter last year were dominant after a back and fourth first quarter of play, taking a 13-point lead at the half and running away in the fourth to a 43-25 championship victory. Ironically, though, it would not be one of the big three leading the team that day, rather the one hitting the big threes, that being Joav Deutsch, who led the game with 16 points. Again, that game will be this coming Sunday at 3 p.m., in Yeshiva University at the, the Max Stern Athletic Center. You will be able to find that game live on the MYHSAL website. Just go to the uh, Varsity Basketball uh, Brackets page. There will be a link to watch from there. You can watch the entire, uh, the entire show uh, as the two, these two teams meet once again for the Varsity Basketball Championship.
All right, now that we've gone through the Varsity Basketball uh, Championship preview, I'd love to go through the Jewish Hoops America Top 25, but it appears Jewish Hoops America is having some technical difficulties with their site. So we're just going to move along, and we're going to head over to uh, to the one thing that I've been, sort of been avoiding the spoilers for, and that's the 25th Annual Red Saracek Tournament that happened at YU, finishing up yesterday with Championship Monday. Notice I've been sort of trying to tiptoe around it uh, when going with the Varsity varsity basketball previews I didn't uh, the championship preview uh, I didn't quite mention all that happened because I didn't quite want to spoil it for you but let's dive into what happened this past weekend at the 25th annual Red Saracek tournament six Yeshiva League teams participated DRS was the one seed Heschel the two uh, Frisch the seven seed TABC the nine seed MTA 12, and Rambam the 14. So really a wide array of Yeshiva League teams participating from top to bottom. DRS uh, on their way or looking to to head towards an undefeated perfect season. Heschel, fresh off their loss to Flatbush, looking for a little bit of revenge. Frisch, after that shellacking in DRS, also looking to try to, to, try to state their claim as defending champs, looking to defend their crown. And TABC, MTA, and Rambam just looking to sort of uh, further their legacy for this past season. So which of those teams would actually make it through? Let's just actually take a rundown of all the teams that participated in seed order. You had DRS, Heschel, Shalhevet, and Valley Torah as the one through four seeds. So they didn't have to play in the first day. The uh, fifth, the five through through 12 uh, were the... With the tier one, uh, the tier one quarter, the tier one qualifier games, you had Eula, YHS, Boca, Frisch, Rashi, TABC, Cooper, Maimonides, and MTA. Uh, the and the thirteen through twenty, you had Ida Crown, Ida Crown at thirteen, Rambam at fourteen, Fuchs, uh, Hebrew Academy of Montreal. Kohelet at 17, Sci High at 18, Baron at 19, and the Atlanta Jaguars at 20. So first day sort of folded on itself. One through four did not play. Five through 20 would fold, and uh, sorry, five through 12 would fold and play for the right to play in tier one. Loser to tier two. 13 through 20 would play for the right to play in tier two. Losers to tier three and potentially tier four, depending on. Uh, what number seed they were. So going through the uh, through the results for day one, first Yeshiva League games. We'll go by Yeshiva League team order. First, number seven, Frisch, taking on number 10, Cooper. In a high-scoring affair, Frisch defeated Cooper 82-69. to Andrew Langer scoring 34 points, rebounding from uh, the game against DRS to really make up for the amount of points that they didn't score in DRS to, uh, to take the victory. Next game, Raji and TABC squaring off. Number eight, Raji. Number nine, TABC. Uh, really impressive performance by Raji out in the Cooper tournament. Was very impressed with with the play of several of the players. Jack Asformis, especially Ben Tal, uh, who, one of the real surefire ball handlers during that Cooper tournament. Well, in this one, Ben Tal, 16 for 16 from the free throw line. But it would be Gavi Smith's three at the buzzer that would propel TABC on to the 60 to 58 victory and 
on to Tier 1 and sending Rashi down to Tier 2. The final Tier 1 qualifier involving Yeshiva League team was Eula and MTA. Eula dominating MTA 38-19 to behind Alan Gindy's 16 points and holding MTA to single digits in every single quarter. So MTA would find itself dropping to Tier 2 as well. The Tier 2 qualifying game involving a Shiva League team would be number 14 Rambam against number 19 Baron. Rambam uh, taking the 42-28 to victory uh, to, uh, to defeat Baron, uh, keeping Baron to 5 points in the first half and only a single free throw in the second quarter alone. So you had uh, Yeshiva League teams going 3-1 and one on the day. Other Yeshiva, uh, sorry, not other Yeshiva League teams, but other action on the day. Other Tier 1 qualifiers, Boca defeated Maimonides. Um, that's the only other tier one. Tier two qualifiers, Ida Crown defeated Atlanta, Montreal defeated Kohelet, and Fuchs defeated Sci High. So moving on to day two, we'll start with the tier one games. Tier one saw so DRS and TABC do battle, a really close game, uh, uncharacteristic uh, given how uh, disparate that game that they played a couple of weeks ago was. TABC really making a fight of it. DRS going up a bit early, 30, uh, but coming coming back at the end. DRS winning 34 to 31. Uh, Gabe Leifer and Zev Benami combined for 21 points in the win, but TABC really impressive in the loss, um, really making a show of it, and actually exposing some weaknesses in DRS. The question is whether or not the higher teams would be able to make use of it later on, and we'll get to that as we go along. Next game featured Frisch and Heschel. My God, was this a uh, a really, really good game. The game the game was especially close coming out of the first. Uh, Heschel and Frisch Frisch up one sixteen to fifteen and taking a thirty to twenty five lead into the into the break. But Heschel coming right back, taking a one point lead into the fourth into the fourth quarter of play, but then went cold as Frisch outplayed Heschel in the fourth, outscoring them by 10 to walk away with a 62-53 victory, handing Heschel its second loss in Yeshiva League, uh, against the Yeshiva League team and in, and in uh, Jewish Hoops play. So Heschel coming into the week, having a, you know, really um, as one of the favorites to take on DRS in the Yeshiva League final, first losing to, to Flatbush the other day and then getting dropped by Frisch in the first uh, in their first game in the in the uh, Sarachek tournament other scores in the uh, tier 1 quarterfinal day uh, number 3 shall have it defeated uh, Weinbaum 36 to 28 and Number five, Eula upsetting Valley Torah, 46 to 37. So two of the top four teams going down on the first day. Tier two qualifier games still up for grabs. Yet Ida Crown defeating MTA, 61 to 59 in triple overtime. Rambam taking out Maimonides, really, really dominating them, 81 to 45. So another Yeshiva League team going on to tier two. Rajji would defeat uh, Hebrew Academy of Montreal. And in the other game on the day, Cooper would defeat Fuchs 48-47. to So you had some really close games on the day, really showing that at this point you had several of the teams that were very properly placed. Saturday night would feature the Tier 4 uh, semifinal games. No Yeshiva League teams involved. Barron defeating Sci High 62-39 and Kohelet dropping Atlanta 52-27. 
just to sort of wrap up Tier 4 for you so uh, we can move on to Tier 3. The Tier 4 third place took place on Sunday with Sci High defeating Atlanta 41-30. to So effectively Sci High finishing in 19th and Atlanta finishing in 20th. On, uh, on Sunday, sorry, uh, on Monday, yesterday, the Tier 4 championship game had uh, Barron defeating Kohelet 50-37. to So Barron taking the Tier 4 crown. Barron finishing effectively 16th and Kohelet... Sorry, Barron finishing 17th effectively. Kohelet finishing 18th. And uh, Saihai 19, Atlanta 20. Moving back to our top uh, our top brackets. Moving back, we'll, we'll start off in Tier 3, Tier 3 semifinal. MTA defeating Hebrew Academy of Montreal 58-44 to move on to the Tier 3 championship game. Joining them would be Fuchs defeating Maimonides 72-62. So the two of them would face, will face on, um, sorry, face yesterday on, on Monday. And Hebrew Academy of Montreal would end up facing Maimonides as well in the Tier three consolation game. We'll get to that shortly. Moving on to the Tier 2 semifinals. Uh, tier, uh, the Tier 2 semifinal first, Rashi defeating Ida Crown 66-64 by Shmuel Khan's buzzer-beater putback, sending Rashi on to the Tier 2 championship game. And they would face the Rambam Ravens, uh, defeating Cooper despite a late rally by Cooper, defeating them 50-43. to Jacob Dubin scoring 13. Jack Ross posting a double-double, 12 points and 10 rebounds. Moving on to Tier 1. Tier 1 consolation game. So a Valley Torah knocking off TABC 67-55. to Mo Proctor, 17 first-half points. Uh, keeping pace, only down 3 going into the break, but TABC could not come up in the second half. Uh, they ended up dropping that game by 12. And in the other Tier 1 consolation game, Heschel again taking it on the chin, this time to, to Boca, 51-46. to So their third straight loss in a week's time for the Heschel Heat. Not, I guess not the way they really wanted to end off their season. They would play Monday as well. We'll get to that game in just a second. But moving to the Tier 1 semifinals, two Yeshiva League teams in action, each on the opposite sides of the bracket, each facing a California team. First game, Frisch and shall have it squared off. Number three, shall have it. Number seven, Frisch. Frisch really trying to hang in there uh, with uh, with Andrew Langer battling illness, but could not keep up. They ended up cutting the shall have it lead to five in the fourth quarter before a clutch Jacob Dower three pointer put the game away, and shall have it would move on with a 54 to 43 victory. Frisch again uh, suffering uh, almost the same way they suffered at the hands of DRS last week. That for the second time. Going, uh, going almost scoreless for a long period of time, getting being down. I think it was twenty to nothing at one point. Two shall have it. So another twenty zero run um, for uh, for a team against Frisch, but without Langer, I guess you can definitely give them a pass for for Langer being their their spark plug all year. DRS in the other semifinal against Eula. Another classic matchup for these two. Eula down four with only a few ticks remaining. Buzzer beater three with a controversial non-call foul. DRS able to escape with a 40-39 to victory. But yet another close victory. Would this be another chink in the armor for teams to use? Uh, again, with another good team on the way on Sunday, we would see in Sunday's action. Sorry, in Monday's action, my apologies. 
for Monday's game, we'll start out in Tier 3. First, we'll start with the Tier 3 Consolation game. Tier 3 Consolation saw Maimonides defeating Hebrew Academy in Montreal 78-52. to Tier 3 first place, though. MTA and Fuchs squaring off for the championship. MTA with the lead late. Fuchs makes a comeback, ties up the game, and Albert Waxman three-pointer at the buzzer leads may- the mayhem over MTA, giving Fuchs the Tier 3 championship. MTA the second place in Tier 3. So, Tier 3 uh, works out like this. Tier 3 had Fuchs, MTA, Maimonides, and Hebrew Academy of Montreal. We're going to do a little breakdown of the seeds afterwards and see where teams finished. Uh, but first, let me just get through everything. Next, Tier 2. We had the Tier 2 third place game. Ida Crown, the 13 seed, defeated the 10 seed Cooper 45-42. to Tier 2 first place would see another Yeshiva League team uh, fighting for a championship. It would be Rajji versus Rambam. Rambam jumping out to a quick lead early but could not hold it and played catch-up for most of the rest of the game. Uh, ben Tal, Jackus Forms, the two I mentioned before, combined for 33 points in Rajji's 43-41 win uh, over Rambam. Rambam had the opportunity late, could not capitalize on it, falling just short, taking second place in Tier 2 at the Sarachek Tournament. Great showing by the Ravens. Uh, proud uh, alum. Uh, it was amazing watching guys, uh, watching the guys on video uh, over the course of the game. Wishing I could have been there as well, but myself stuck in the office. So a lot of Rambam pride. This is Rambam's first loss, as I said before they were undefeated coming in. Rambam's first loss in Sarachek tournament history. They won Sarachek many, many moons ago. Uh, but uh, good to see them back and good to see them actually competing. Going ho- uh, For the first time, not going home with the championship, though. Moving on to for, to the Tier 1. We had the Tier 1 consolation game. Heschel getting off the snide, defeating TABC 50-37. to I guess it's very apropos that it would be against the Yeshiva League team. Heschel uh, doing wonders against the Yeshiva League teams this year. Uh, obviously, there are two losses to Yeshiva League teams, first to Flatbush and to Frisch over the last week, but ending on a high note and taking out a Yeshiva League team. So uh, a good year for Heschel just didn't come to fruition uh, with the undefeated season that they were hoping for. Uh, another tier one, uh, tier one consolation game. Valley Torah defeating uh, Winebaum, 52 to 47. Moving on to the tier one third place game. Uh, you had Eula and Frisch. Eula the five seed. Frisch the seven seed. Another extremely close game. Uh, Frisch actually led 14 to eight early, but could not hold on to the lead as Eula would uh, would take this game. In fact, you know Frisch was up one with less than a minute to go. David Habusha scoring the go-ahead bucket to give the Panthers a one-point lead. Frisch would have one last chance, but the uh, the the game clincher rimming out. Josh Chesner 18 points for Frisch without. Langer, doing that without Langer. Um, again, this time Eula on the winning side of the one-point battle. So, congratulations to Eula on the third place. And that would leave only one game left on the day, the championship between DRS and Shalhevet. On the line for DRS, their shot still at a perfect season, including all the play, uh, all the um, sorry, all the tournaments that we mentioned, Yeshiva League play and playoffs. 
well, despite all that, the Wildcats found themselves down after the first period, 13-9. to But in the second, really neither team could find their range. DRS only putting up four points, but holding Shalhevet scoreless. The second time this week that DRS has held a team scoreless for an entire period plus. Also doing that to Frisch, as we mentioned a few minutes ago in the second half, though. DRS finally woke up outscoring Shalhevet 34-19, to dropping matching 17-point quarters, and Shalhevet scoring only... Only six in the third, and really not only getting close uh, in the in the closing minutes, uh, not really close, but closer in the closing minutes of the game, employing a foul every time strategy, uh, starting at the three minute mark, and really not ending until uh, after prolonging the game about ten minutes longer than they actually should have. Uh, Gabriel Leifert, double double, sixteen points, fourteen rebounds, really the catalyst for the team, sparking them in the in the second half and sort of late stages of the first half, really deserving of the MVP which he was given. So DRS now gets to go into next week's game, really with the thoughts in mind of a perfect undefeated season, already having played on the uh, on the YU Max Run Athletic Center court as well. So the truth is there's a a lot of momentum for them, and there's a lot on the line heading into next week's Yeshiva League Championship. So taking a look at what would be the final rankings, uh, the Tier 4 teams, uh, number 20, Atlanta, number 19, Sci High, 18, Kohelet, 17, Barron, all of them very much pictured to be Tier 4. Atlanta was 20, Sci High was 18, Kohelet, 17, Barron, 19. So props to the uh, to the uh, bracket makers for that. Even as uh, Lotons Montreal, 16 in Tier 3, pretty much on point, one or two point difference for each team. Then you get, it gets a little interesting. Uh, 50, uh, for the rest of Tier 3, Maimonides, uh, originally slated to be 11, finished at 15. MTA, originally slated to be at 12, went to 14. Uh, Fuchs, originally slated to be at 15, went to 13. Again, teams that, for the most part, were pictured to be in the Tier 2, Tier 3, ended up where they were. Mamo, maybe a little lower down than was expected. Tier 2, also, uh, for the most part, gotten correctly. Uh, Cooper at uh, 12, originally at 10. ICJA, Ida Crown, originally at 11, uh, now at 13. The big, uh, the big uh, surprise really was Rambam jumping up from 14. Really uh, expected to be a tier three competitor, actually uh, going as far as they did in tier two and finishing 10. Uh, props for Rashi TABC. They, fi- I mean, I'm, I would normally say that Rashi might have been a surprise being in tier two, but they were the eighth seed. One of the two teams, either the 8 or the 9, has to go there. So finishing at ninth, it really was a great matchup for the first round. And TABC having needing that buzzer beater um, to uh, to take that game really shows that TABC properly slated uh, at ninth. Uh, sorry, they were slated at ninth and they finished at eighth. The real monk, the real wrench in the in the works was Heschel. Heschel, the two seed, dropping all the way down to seven. Really, really put a, a different spin on the rest of the matchups. Boca picked perfectly 6-6. Six and six. Valley Torah, uh, originally slated at 5, uh, finished, sorry, at 4, finishing at 5. Frisch, with the win over Heschel, bumped them up to that to that higher spot, uh, originally at 7, finishing at 4. And Eula shall have it in DRS, largely finishing around where they were supposed to. Eula, uh, with the 5, finished at the 3. Eula, uh, sorry, the Shalhevet, originally the three, finished the two, and DRS taking home the championship as they were expected to do.
Well, as you can see, this really was a packed week of action. Sorry if I omitted anything. We'll try to get to anything that we really feel was left out next week. Next week will be our our winter season finale of the court report. We will have uh, we'll have all the action uh, in next week's ch- uh, basketball championships, plus all the other championships that are happening over the course of the week. Thank you again for tuning in for sticking with us. It has been a, it was a great hockey season. We'll have a lot more to talk about next week in regards to hockey, but uh, for the most part. The uh, the winter hockey season is over, and we are moving on. Please tune in next week as we discuss the basketball championships and anything else that uh, we feel we need to wrap up on. If you missed any part of this or any episode this season, you can also catch the Encore presentation this Sunday night at 7 p.m., or you can find the Court Report or iTunes or the Nachum Siegel Network app. Tomorrow morning, jam in the a.m. with Nachum Siegel from 6 to 9 a.m. live on the stream nachumsegel.com or on your radio 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, 91.9 FM Rockland County. Once again, a huge thank you to our sponsors, Crown Trophy of Brooklyn, during their busy season. Please give them a call at 718-769-4111 for all of your plaque and trophy needs. For more of me, you can hear me every Tuesday morning on JM in the AM at around 7.20 with the Tuesday morning JM in the AM sports update. If you haven't visited the Court Report fan page on Facebook, please do so and click the like tab. Let's get that number up. See you next week right here on the Court Report, only on the Nakam Siegel Network. Hi, this is Elliot Weiselberg, host of The Court Report. Stay tuned for more amazing musical selections and programming only on the Nachum Siegel Network. NachumSiegel.com <laughs>